know, you can have a great brand and just put it out into the ether, into the world. And if nobody sees it, then it just dies on the vine. So there's there's a lot of things involved, but it, it quite simply, it's having the right brand and putting it in the right hands. Welcome to Lori the Podcast, and I'm your host, Lori, and I am super excited. You're here to join me on my public speaking journey, finding out what the most impactful ways to get your audience into action. Your message is worth sharing, and people need to hear it from you. So are you ready? Let's go. Krista Haberstock with 25 years of experience in the speaking industry, from booking speakers to managing them, from being related to one to occasionally being one. She's now here to share some super cool magical insights to get on more stages. What does it take to book a speaker and make a speaker actually bookable? Are you ready? Let's learn. Welcome to the show today to inspire speakers with an impactful idea to also share that impact on more audiences and to really show us the magic behind the speaking agency. What does it do? How can that help a speaker uh, increase their impact? And I can tell about you that you have like 25 years of experience in the speaking industry, that you help people getting 400 times, 400% their income, like so much, (laughs) so much more. And I do know that you're involved with millions and millions of dollars. And I Mm -hmm. am super curious to hear more about that. But before we dive into that specificity, I would love to just learn a bit more about you. Like, what do you actually do and what drives you towards it? Oh, man. Um, Well, I'm really happy to be here this is this is what I really enjoy I actually have a history is I have an education degree so I started out as an elementary music teacher in Canada and uh, completely fell backwards into this profession my brother is a professional speaker and his wife had a speakers bureau at the time and so I make a very long story very short I worked for her for 10 years at a speakers bureau and learned the ropes on how to I guess just book a speaker, like what it takes to book a speaker and make a speaker actually bookable. Um, That was kind of my secret to success at the Bureau was that I would look at speakers that I wanted to propose to clients. And um, a lot of times their materials were, you know, made it really hard for me to pitch them, you know? So what I would do is I would take their materials and I would craft them. So I would make them more what I call now bookable. And then I present them to the clients. And I got really old, really fast doing it for everybody. So I thought, well, you know, going on the representation side made a lot of sense. So fast forward to 2009, I started my own agency that uh, with my own um, concise little roster of speakers was tiny at first, three, four, and then five, and then six, and grew, grew, and grew, um, and grew, to be honest, really too big because it grew beyond, it just, uh, a good thing grows, and um, I just didn't have measures in place to kind of stop it. So here we are today, and thanks to COVID and a few other things, <laughs> we're at a much more manageable size now. <laughs> so we have <laughs> 10 speakers. Yeah, and I, I, um, that's how I got here. And I just love working with speakers on their brand and how to make them uh, more bookable, like what it takes to actually increase their bookings, which is really the end game. Yeah. 
wow, you say that in such a humble way, like you have this introduction of millions and millions of euros, so many years of experience, and now you're doing what you love to do. And um, just to to give the words back, like what I'm hearing is that you are basically the middle person, like there are speakers out there with super impactful stories, and you're talking about helping them with their brand. Can you elaborate mm-hmm. a bit on that? Because I can imagine that a lot of people uh, here now are listening, think, okay, I, I have this inspiring idea to share, and I love to share that with other people because I do it it impacts their their lives but brand i mean do i have to build a brand i know it's interesting it's uh and it took me a long long time to actually get to where i am right now as far as understanding what it takes to compel somebody to want to book a speaker um you know like when i started on the bureau side i was the one trying to compel people to book a speaker but you know let's just say that i had seen some guy joe joe blow speak and i loved him and I talked to the client and made them love him. But it, they say, and then they would say, send me a video or send me whatever it was at the time. And so I would, and it would be underwhelming and they would not be impressed. And they would say, well, who else do you have? And that's so disappointing because you're like, oh, I know they're good. So it's bridging that gap between reality of how good they are on stage and in a room to communicating that to the buyer and that is all branding like that's all packaging branding marketing and then getting it into the right hands in the right way is the other thing um, that is so important that if you um gosh you know you can have a great brand and just put it out into the ether into the world and if nobody sees it then it just dies on the vine so there's there's a lot of things involved but it, it quite simply it's having the right brand and putting it in the right hands Wow, I love that. I love that. And that is so relatable, right? Like as a speaker, you just want to share. <laughs> and yeah. then apparently you also have to sell yourself. Like that's not where you're yeah. there for. So just uh, if we talk about this brand, um, what what associate what I associate with a brand is like a logo, a color. Right. Like what do you mean with the brand and how can that's people good. take their first step um, there? Wow, that's such a good differentiator. Um, and I'm no one's ever asked me that, so that's good. Yeah, you think about like Nike, right? You think about like the Nike swoosh, and that's not it. That that's actually a brand mark. So I don't even know if speakers need a brand mark, right? And listen, there are going to be brand experts, marketing experts, people who have degrees in this listening to this, going, what she thinks she knows what she's talking about. I will remind everybody in the world that I'm an elementary music teacher from Canada. <laughs> that fell backwards into the speaking industry and learned these things along the way. So I, it, it was real boots on the ground for me as far as like street smarts. I have a lot of street smarts, but I might use the wrong words. So I'm always really sensitive to that. Um, but from what I understand, a logo is a brand mark. The brand is what people believe about who you are, not necessarily who you are. So you have to make sure that you are um, presenting to the world uh, in a compelling and understandable and really simple way who you are and the more simple it is the better it's going to be communicated wow that's powerful it's like it's basically what they do on stage right like they have a story that is transformative for the other so they have to communicate it in a different way in a different message to the event organizers or the people that bring them to stages um super interesting and if we talk about this brand because i i love the definition or how you phrased it like it's not what you are it's what they believe who you are yeah yeah 
And are some are are there some yeah like you have so much so much experience some like common mistakes that you see happening so often that you're like oh if they would have known this it would have been so much easier. Yeah, I I see my job and role with speakers not so much as like coming up with the path to bookings. Sometimes that happens, but the path to bookings is usually laid out by the time I get to a speaker. They're you know they're like well I'm going to do this, but they created roadblocks or just roadblocks exist that are what I call barriers to booking. So for example, um, you know, fee and congruency is a really big one and, and it happens in both directions. So for example, there's a speaker at a really high level, maybe even with some name recognition, uh, best-selling author, whatever has, you know, ticks all the boxes, media, all that stuff. And their fee is too low. And it creates a little bit of what I call like white noise or static for the buyer because they go, well, I wonder if maybe they don't have a lot of experience or why is their fee so low? And of course, the converse happens where there's, you know, it's just, it's not a compelling, whatever. Um, maybe someone has a ton of experience, but they're not com communicating it well and their fee is too high. You kind of go, well, what am I missing? So that's a big barrier to booking. Another big barrier to booking is, um, Oh gosh, there's a million of them. Um, I would say the big thing for speakers, the biggest thing for speakers that I that I see, the biggest mistake for speakers, uh, and it's a biggie, is that um, it's a bit philosophical, but it's very important that speakers think the standing ovation is for them, and it's not. The standing ovation is for the person who hired them. That speaker is in service to that audience, to that planner, to that organization. In a lot of uh, countries, like I think in the UK, or a friend of mine, a speaker friend of mine from Australia calls, um, it's, it calls speaking events that they get hired for jobs. And I like that because it's like you get hired for a job. You are in service, like you're in the employee of that person or that organization, not the other way around. And that standing ovation is your evaluation. Check, you did a good job. You did what you were supposed to do. And I think that's a really important one. And and the other thing is to keep your egos in check. I've seen a lot of speakers go to the dark side <laughs> because you're around a lot of people who love you all the time. And it's tough. It's tough to keep perspective. Yeah, I like that you say it like this. Like if you're standing in front of an audience and you're always focused about me, 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 I want to look good, then the whole talk itself is not coming from a place that is, you know, abundant and like willing to share. So then it also ties back to getting bookings. I really, really like, and mm -hmm. what I'm wondering is, okay, so the mindset of just standing there and of course you can, you know, you can take it in. Like I did a good job, but it's not only my credits. How does it apply in, in the practicals to get more rebooked? Okay. Well, it's a perfect lead in because, the, I mean, a good three quarters, like 73 to 78% year after year after year, meeting planners respond that the number one way they find speakers is by seeing them or by word of mouth referral. So they've either seen them on a stage or a meeting planner or colleague has seen them and referred them. That circle is getting tighter and tighter, by the way. So it's the same percentage, but their circle of trust is getting smaller and smaller. Speaker materials are getting fancier and fancier. Just as, This is a bit of a side note, but uh, it is harder and harder to discern the seasoned speaker um, from the emerging speaker because... Technology's made it good. Education's made it good. You know, I've I've spent years helping speakers um, with their 
materials together. <laughs> and so in 2009, this was a novel concept, I guess. But now, you know, we've got some really good people out there doing it. So meeting planners are getting it super discerning. And even like it's a bit tricky for speakers bureaus and people who um, like brokers, even myself, I'll go to someone's website and say, man, they've got it really on lock. And they're like, you know, you go, ah, I don't know. They've, they've got like just some clips of speaking. Well, maybe I'll get them on the phone. And I've done this before and it's just fallen flat. So, um, so getting rebooked comes from word of mouth. That word of mouth will lead to your website, your video, your materials need to be compelling. You have to, but more and more, you're going to need to have what they call social proof. And that would be testimonials. Uh, gosh, like, uh, where did I read this recently? First place they go is, is LinkedIn now. Like they go immediately to LinkedIn, have your strongest uh, videos, top of profile. Um, gosh, where did I read that? I was like just last night. So this is very current information. But yeah, planners and people who want to hire speakers will go to their LinkedIn profile and they're, they'll Google them for skeletons in the closet too. So make sure that <laughs> there's nothing weird on Google, um, <laughs> you know, and then uh, make sure there's no videos out there that aren't your best work. So uh, it is hard actually to delete those videos. Sometimes they'll have a million views or something, you know, really great. But maybe the one with a million views is six years old and it's not your most current best work. Um, and so even if it's got more of you, and that's the one that will come up first, right? So you have to make sure to get rid of those and put your most current work in there and get rid of the old ones as soon as you've got more current work. That's That makes so much sense. I always like it when you can just think, okay, does this make sense? Yeah, it does. Like, yeah. Uh, it, it really does. And you're talking about material. And as a speaker, right, you have yes. uh, probably videos of the stuff that you did. Are there also mm -hmm. other things that you mean by material, like things that you can showcase as a speaker to have more credibility? Yes. Uh, the video is the biggest instrument and tool at your disposal. Yes, videos are important, but it's also important to practice with the videos. That's why the 14-day speaking habit training, completely for free, is right here for you. You can check it out by going to the description and click on that link. A lot of experts say that the amount you charge for a keynote is the amount you should put into your video, minimum. And I don't disagree with them. So if you're going to be an X thousand dollar speaker, put that much into your video because it's your biggest tool, biggest selling tool. Um, you know, your materials would be your website. It would be your testimonials. It would be your uh, bio. You need a long bio, short bio. Usually long bio, I think, is about 350 words. Short bio is about 150. Your introduction needs to be well-crafted. It's not the same thing as your bio. <laughs> so make sure that it's... Um, short enough to be read on stage without any words that are kind of tricky. Um, uh, headshots, current, and that reinforce your brand. So if you have a headshot, like if you are an adventurer and your headshot's you in a suit and tie, those two things are not congruent. And I don't think people understand that or realize that, that, you know, I, 
have um, I've represented adventurers, Olympians, uh, humanitarians, and I just say, listen, I mean, be yourself, be authentic, and be on brand. Because if you, like I said, if you, uh, you know, if you're a professor and you show up in a hoodie and shorts, <laughs> that's not going to communicate, um, you know, educational prowess very well. So the converse is true. So those all play into the materials. And I actually, um, your fee is part of your brand too. So uh, like I said, you know, your fee has to be congruent with who you are as a speaker and where you fit in the marketplace. Wow. You you have so much information. Uh, I know. I, I it's, love, it's I love really it. fast. <laughs> yeah, you're you're now, but you're like sharing it all. And I love that. I truly believe in the transparency of the industry, right? Because if we're all here to to share that impact, it's really cool to know yeah. how, how it actually works. And um what you're what you're saying is your fee is part of your brand. Yeah. And I can understand that like you have 25 years of experience. You know that if you ask a fee that's too low, it's not credible, but if it's too high, it also does not make so much sense. Yeah. How is how do you know as a speaker what your value actually is? That is an interesting question. I'm not 100% sure on how to answer that, especially since you and I are talking. I know that right now you're recording from somewhere in the U.S., but, um, you know, we have an international audience with this. So the U.S. has a very different fee structure than Australia, than does Canada, than does the U.K., um, you know, and I'm lumping, oh gosh, <laughs> lumping everything into it. So it's going to be a little bit like, and I, I, you know, forgive me if this isn't, I think this would be an international thing, but real estate agent, you call, call it pulling comps, um, pulling comparable houses in the neighborhood to see how you can price your house. And so there would, there's going to be, it's going to be educated guesswork. That's basically the best I can say right now in the U.S., um, very strange. It went the opposite direction than I thought it would. I thought there would be a recalibration of fees to lower and fees are going up and up and up for speakers here. It's really interesting. Total, total inflation in the speaker market right now wow. <laughs> in the U.S. Yeah. So I have, and I've been out of the bureau side for several years now, you know, I've been running C agency since 2009. And so I'm a bit rusty on how to price my speakers. And so I realized about six months ago, I think I might have been pricing them like too conservatively. So they were getting lost between low end and, and high end. Like their quality is up here, but I thought the price for quality was here. And so I bumped them up and it made a big difference. So it's really important to make sure you price it. It's just, it really is just like the real estate market. The more I think about it, I think you just have to pull comps and see what's comparable in your, in your uh, category, I guess. Yeah. And what I'm what I'm hearing and that also makes a lot of sense is you have to figure out what other people are doing and yeah. know that it's adaptable to change. So <laughs> once you found out like this is my perfect fee, then know that the world around us is changing. So m maybe when there's yeah. inflation, uh, the prices yeah. in the speaking uh, world uh, change a bit as well. So yeah. That, right. that clarifies a lot. And I'm just curious because we keep speaking about um, getting rebooked and asking big fees. And if you are too low, then you're not credible. I can also understand that there's people listening right now who already think, holy cow, I have to build a brand. <laughs> I have to make a bio of 350 words. I have to do all of these things. I need to have a video. Like, can you share some, shine some light on how as a speaker you can grow in to the industry so how do i do this um there there is what we would call a catch-22 for the video course so you know you speak more to speak more but how do you speak 
And, you know, you have to have a video to speak, but how do you get a video if you're not speaking yet? So, you know, there are some workarounds on that. It's generally not that easy, but let me offer this. And I've never really said this, so I hope it comes across well. Um, That to me has been a welcome barrier. And I'll tell you why. If you don't have a speaking video, there is that implication that you haven't been speaking a lot. So to get on stages that aren't big enough for video is um, working your craft. So when you're on stages, you are getting better at speaking and you're getting better at speaking and the stages will inherently grow. They will organically grow. And as they grow, um, then there will be someone recording the event. Um, so for emerging speakers, it I believe it's rare that you don't have um, someone recording a big event. If though you're on a stage, always be recording it <laughs> so that you can have it as footage because in the meantime, you know, people do want to see footage, but um, anything you record, the better, the more large market it is, the better the footage will be. Um, it's going to be more compelling that you um, can stand in front of a large audience. Now, a large audience, you know, isn't the mark of success, but it does show that you've been doing it a while that a, a meeting planner of a lor- larger organization trusts you to put you on a big stage. Not an exact science, but that's philosophically where I where I approach it. Yeah, I got you. Like, and that's the same, you know, if you if you start to buy a car or something and you look on the internet and you see cool photos, you're like, okay, cool. And then you see the price tag, you're like, okay, I want to try it first. You know, <laughs> like I want to see how it works. I want right. to see how smooth it rides. So it mm-hmm. also that it, it just makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Good. Really, really amazing. And in this industry, again, like I love to ask questions. There are like a million in my in my mind. But I also want to give you a bit of space to share something that you feel that is super valuable for the listeners. Oh wow. You're a very good interviewer. Um let me think. I you'll you'll hear me come from more of a philosophical heart place always. Um for better or worse, I wear my heart on my sleeve. Um and I I just have really recently been thinking about the concept of success and uh, what success looks like for me. And I've been much better about having, asking that question of speakers and having them answer it than answering it myself. (laughs) So I, I really haven't been able to answer it because I think success, uh, you know it when you you know it when you see it kind of a thing. And um, a lot of speakers will will say, um, you know, a lot of speakers will say, I want to share my story or inspire people or make sure that I can transform audiences with the lessons I learned. Or um, very tactically, and there's nothing wrong with this at all. You know, I want to speak 40 to 50 times a year or I want to have X fee. Um, I want to be home every weekend so I can see my son's football games. Um, that's what success looks like to them, you know, or retirement or, um, promoting my book, whatever it is. And I think those are all useful, but for me, I've really had trouble with that. And I have experience with my agency, some really, really nice success, but it didn't feel like success. Um, but recently I was actually just came back from our big industry convention and, um, being like I'm a real heart person, total empath, you know, like (laughs) 
<laughs> I just feel everything. <laughs> it's just me. And um, that success is to me, it's showing up in, in service and in love and putting others first. And I fully, fully believe that the speakers who show up in service and in love and put others first do better, period. Wow. I love that. I love that. And then that opens up also a lot of room uh, to what we've said before, right? Like it's super important to have a video. You need to have your brand. You have, you need the uh, the materials. It's like, you know, the foundation of a house. It needs to be stable. Yeah. yeah. But on the other side, like you want to have a fluffy blanket on a really cool couch in the color that you like. And, <laughs> you know, like it's about the heartfelt, like the, I, I completely, completely, completely got you there. And what sparks that up in my brain is, okay, if you are a speaker that has it all, you know, um, you have a cool video, you have this bio written and your website in order, you feel your words, you truly, truly want to help others. Is it necessary for them to work with an agent to enhance that success? Yeah, no, absolutely not. Um, no. A manager, so our industry is funny, you know, so like the entertainment industry, you can have like a band will have a manager and, and they will also have an agent. And in, you know, that world, sometimes they'll call them the 10 percenters because each of them charges 10 percent. <laughs> and so the manager has one job. The agent has another job. The agent is generally to book that band and the manager is to take care of their brand and, um, you know, I, I, I don't know exactly. I'm sure there's some crossover. They work closely together. In the speaking world, uh, you know, my job is about like I'm 100% manager and 100% agent. And I see myself as a speaker partner. So not every speaker needs a manager um, or an agent for sure. But at some point, you do need help. <laughs> like you need a competent partner that knows the industry. The speakers who are at a level that can partner with a manager um, and have it, make it worth the manager's time, frankly, they, they end up going further and faster because I know speakers, I know speakers are very satisfied. They've been at the same fee for a long time and there's nothing wrong with this. It's just the, it's just the choice they've made and they've put their own systems in place. They know how to do their own logistics. They somehow know how to manage all the emails and all the everything um, and they prefer to do it on the, their own. And I've actually had some people on my roster where we've, I, you know, I've just been like, I think you like selling yourself and you don't want me to do it. You know, you'd rather do it yourself, which is totally fine. But a lot of speakers are not capable of getting the maximum amount of money <laughs> for themselves mm -hmm. that when you have an agent that can get on the phone and, and has the way to do it. So um, in general, speakers will lose money without a great manager, but that's not until they get fairly busy, um, you know, and I've done my share of launching emerging speakers into the marketplace and making them stars and doing all that. Um, but I think it'll probably be a cold day in hell before I do that again, because it is, it's a huge amount of work. And because I'm all heart, I've had my heart broken. Too many times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because at the end of the day, for a lot of people, it's just business. But for me, it's not. It's a partnership. And, you know, so 
that's that's just a little side note. No, you don't need a manager, nor do you need an agent. But can I say that? Point, yeah, yeah, I, I, I really, I really got you. Can I, can I just say that if you have a speaking agent and or a manager, it amplifies your impact as well as you know sharing your message in probably more audiences, but also knowing the industry speaks like just what we talked about because it's fluctuates. Yeah. You you are in control over it, and as a speaker, you just want to speak, you want to share. Um, mm-hmm. and what I also hear, um, that I want to highlight is that. It's really nice to to have an agent, and I I can just see myself, you know, like I can think like, oh, I'm gonna speak. Someone is gonna do my emails, get my bookings, and at the same time, you need a certain level before you're ready yeah. to get that help. And you said the words frequently booked. Mm-hmm. What does it look like? I recently put down on paper actually uh, what it looks like to be at different levels, and uh, I printed it off because I don't have it committed to memory. But let's see how I do. Um, when a speaker calls me, oftentimes they will use the phrase, I want to get to the next level. And I, I thought that was kind of funny because, you know, it's like, well, levels go up and down. <laughs> I assume you want to go up. Um, so, you know, I would say it like, I would say, honestly, there are five levels. The entry level, basically level one is you're just speaking a little bit, you know, you know, you've got a story and you're kind of crafting it and people are starting to ask you to speak. A uh, Level two would be uh, an increase in momentum. Um, I would say you're probably, you know, you've probably got a few hundred people in the audience. That's when you can start to get some footage. Um, your fee might might actually, you know, in the U.S., it might have a comma in it, you know, might be <laughs> might be at that level. And um, you really start to gain some traction and some attention. And this is where a lot of a lot of speakers go, okay, I think I might be able to quit my day job. Like this is where I think I might be able to make money, quit my day job and do this full time. Uh, and then third level is, um, you know, you've really got some good momentum, I would say probably uh, 50, 40, 50 events a year. And your, your fee definitely has a, a comma and maybe five digits <laughs> and um speakers bureaus are hearing about you at this point level four you really like you live on an airplane <laughs> <laughs> you've got enough miles to circumnavigate the globe a few times and um you know you're solidly getting the five figures um you've probably got a best-selling book at this point Bureaus have you listed, you're getting tons of spinoff, you're really taking it seriously and you're you're moving forward. And then I would say, like, I call it the penthouse level five is, uh, you know, name recognition. <laughs> and you're turning everything down because you have a Netflix special. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I love to hear, like, from a listener's perspective, I'm like, wow, this is all possible. Like, if I'm congruent with myself, if I keep going and keep improving and keep getting the videos, and it's not that everybody will make it if they put in the work, but that's certainly an opportunity if you do so. Yes, but you know what? I've been constantly surprised. It just takes people, you said not everyone's going to make it if they put in the work. I would almost disagree with that because it is a very hard industry and it's almost like, wow, you're still doing this. Like unbelievable. I've seen people after 20 years that I was like, Oh, never going to make it still hammering away at it and actually getting some success. 
because you do get better and your content gets tighter and people do hear about you. It just takes longer if, you know, if maybe it's not the thing you're born to do or something. Um, it's a very surprising industry. I will say, and this is one other thing that, you know, I would put in the column of it's something you want to share. You can make a lot of money as a speaker. It is a very well-paid thing. And that sometimes attracts the wrong crowd. And I think that, um, you know, maybe that's where some of our, you know, our hesitation comes from as agents and managers and bureau agents and so forth is that, you know, you can, you can smell a fraud a mile away. <laughs> um, and uh, because you can make a good living at this, in my opinion, it should take you a long time to actually break through. I don't know how long it takes to become a doctor all over the world, but generally it's about seven years, right? And then to become a specialist and a heart surgeon, you're looking at a good decade of work. So if you're not willing to put, invest, you got how much does an Ivy League college cost, you know, university cost? Like you have to invest money time, blood, sweat, tears, embarrassment, fear, failure, the whole thing. And, you know, and, and it will pay off, but it's, but don't think it's going to be easy, but the payoff is big. Well, I love this. And thank you for, for uh, um, correcting my words, because in a way I made the assumption of why, because I really, really believe that if you put, you, you put in the oh. work, you will always get there. And that's, Literally everybody can do this. It's just about yeah. learning from mistakes, keep on going and listen to the action steps of experts just like you of yeah. getting there faster and easier. So thank you so much for sharing everything. And I oh. I think we can just talk for two hours, but I will also want to make it manageable <laughs> for listeners <laughs> and not block a whole day. Like, is there just yeah, one, so this interview. <laughs> yeah, one sprinkle that you want to share before we wrap up? Oh, I, I do. I do. Um, and again, it, I'm all heart. Listen, if you can't take the mushy gushy stuff, then you turn it off now because I'm all about it. But um, <laughs> I, um, you, once you get a taste of this industry, you kind of can't quit. And I think the reason is that outside of maybe a religious institution, a church or a pastor, this is the best vehicle to actually make heart change in people. This is a huge, huge responsibility that speakers have to be excellent and to deliver the truth about things and to really deliver a message of better. I'm, I'm very passionate about um, the concept of better. And the speakers that I work with are dedicated to better. My life, I have a calling on my life to make the world better. And this weird industry is how I'm doing it. So I, I, I get very passionate to when I want to speak directly to speakers, earn the microphone. Make sure that you are taking it very seriously and that you're doing this at the highest level you can and shoot for excellence. And with every presentation, um, in, inspire, inspire yourself to be better. And that, that will be a catalyst for your audience to do the same. Wow. <laughs> it's like you're reading it, but I don't know you don't like it's, it's brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing. Oh, you're so welcome. Wow. We're at the end of this episode already, but it's not the end end. Because the goal of this episode is to get you impact, to grow your business, increase your influence, and to land your stages, maybe even a TEDx. So let's implement. In the description, 
you will find the link to my free 14-day speaking habit training where you train your public speaking muscle for two weeks straight. So go there right now and sign up. And when you're scrolling anyways and have 10 seconds to think, who is this one person that comes to mind who would benefit from this episode as well? Copy the link and share it with them. And hit that subscribe button too. Why not? You never ever have to miss a single episode. And that's why I can say now, see you in the next one. Ciao, ciao.